0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. Uh, we got a, a podcast that people have been asking for. People want more more kayak podcasts, and uh, we're gonna do some redfish. We're gonna talk about trout and redfish, but really focus on kind of like some fall red fishing patterns uh, and how kayak fishing and fishing from a kayak can really help you, um, you know, get to some areas that you really can't get to on foot, you can't get to on boats, uh, and it can really be super productive for both trout and redfish. And I got a good buddy on here to talk about that. But before I introduce him, um, I want to thank our sponsors of this show, Ice Strike Fishing. The only people—this is a slogan I was just thinking of before the show. I was just trying to think of like a little punchline, and it's the only thing. I already forgot it. Forget that. The other, the other, uh, the other sponsor we want to thank is Explore Boatworks. If it comes back to me, I'll share it in a second. But I was about to butcher it, so I was like, I'm just gonna keep rolling. Uh, Explore Boatworks out of South Carolina, they, they build awesome boats, um, skiffs and, and bay boats and, and beyond, so go give them a check, it's X-P-L-O-R, Explore Boatworks, um, and that is it, uh, if you're local here, go check out Intercoastal Angler, y'all can't see Dan yet, but he's got an Intercoastal Angler hat on, I got an Intercoastal Angler hoodie on, um, hands down the best tackle shop I've ever been into, I've been into a lot of tackle shops, and they are the best one, so go give them a check, out. I don't know why I keep saying go give them a check. I don't even know what that means. I'm just nervous tonight, guys. I'm nervous. It's late. and I wanted to get a podcast recorded for you. But um, go check out our Facebook group, Eastern Current Fishing on Facebook. Uh, you can connect with other listeners there. Um, lots of fish talk going on. Um, maybe even find some, some new fishing buddies to get out on the water with locally or, or outside of the state. Uh, and then also, if you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel, um, subscribe to the podcast. And uh, leave us a rating on, on our any of the podcast platforms um, or on um, YouTube. Actually, you can't leave ratings on YouTube, but definitely leave us a rating on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to. That's enough of me chit-chatting, so I'm going to go ahead and bring on my buddy, Daniel Avant. That's actually Daniel Avant. What's up, man?
1: Hey, what's up, bud?
0: Oh, nothing much. I've been bugging Dan for a while to get him on the podcast, and we're finally able to make it work out tonight. Um, Again, a little late on recording this podcast this week. Things are super busy, lots and lots of trips, and um, I've just got a busy schedule, so we're getting this one recorded a little late on Thursday night, but we're going to have it up here for y'all shortly. Um, But Dan, let's talk fishing tonight. We've talked about doing this podcast for a while, and um, I really like your fishing style. The The other kayak fisherman that I talk to a lot, and not that you're just a kayak fisherman, but you definitely use a kayak as... Um, a, a large tool for catching redfish and trout that other people can't catch. Um, I talked to Elias quite a bit, and he he fishes, he uses his kayak uh, in, in a lot of different scenarios, fishes a lot of deeper water. You really use it to fish really, really shallow. So I'm excited to kind of talk to you about that. Um, but before we get into it, kind of tell me your backstory, kind of how you got into fishing and, and everything.
1: I mean, well, uh, as you know, I'm from Wilmington. Um, I mean, I grew up here, I was born here. And my dad uh, taught me fishing at a young age, and that's really, you know, the rest is history. Um, I really got into inshore fishing because of Captain Lee Parsons. A lot of people know who he is, people don't. He is the OG for sure when it comes to inshore stuff, especially down there, you know, closer to Bald Head area where we fish. And so, when I was younger, man, he took me on this fishing trip. My dad was fishing the Bald Head Island Rodeo, for those who remember that tournament when that used to happen.
0: Well, what, what, what kind of tournament was that? Was that inshore or nearshore or that offshore? That was
1: an offshore tournament. Okay. So, Captain Lee took me fishing one day. And I'll never forget, that was the first day I'd ever really been inshore fishing. I had no idea where I was. It felt like I was in a different different state. And I'd never <laughs> seen that area of North Carolina. And he took me to this great big flat. And he said, look out there. And there was this big boat wake-looking thing coming across this flat. And at the time, you know, I was... I was 14. I had no idea what it was. And we had a lot of hating and we threw a big old pokey in there. I mean, there was just big school of uh, over reds, and they just started peeling drag, and ever since that day, I've been really addicted to it. And so I've been going back right down there in the kayak in the past, recent years and finding fish really, really shallow. And when I say really shallow, I mean, I'm, you know, negative low tide, six inches of water. People don't, I don't think people realize how shallow the water gets and those fish. They don't have to leave. They stay back there. Right. They chase shrimp. And even in the skinniest of skiffs, I mean, you, you would be hard pressed to get back there in a gino because a lot of places that I find those fish, I drag my kayak over sandbars to get there.
0: Yeah. That's the beauty of that type of. Uh, craft is that you can drag it, like even a canoe. It's light, but you're not going to be. You can't really drag it across many sandbars by yourself, you know. Unless you're maybe a two horsepower motor on it and and, and whatnot. But um, the kayak, just you can you can go anywhere. You really can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, especially this time of year, it's really good down there in a kayak. You know, if you're willing, you know, to get wet, and maybe a little bit cold in the kayak, um, you can get down there on those really low tides and find schools of fish. Um, I sent you some video, you remember that video? Yeah, I sent yeah, you definitely. Last um, I don't post a whole lot of stuff to social media. Um, I just don't have the time to share share my, all my cool experiences on social media, like I'd like to, but maybe I'll try to send you that video so you can put it in this video, people can really see what we're yeah. talking about. But, I mean, I'm hooking fish five feet off the front of my kayak, sight fishing them. Yeah. And, and you crouch down in, my ki- in the kayak, just Try not, to fall in the, you know, try not to fall over, just basically on your knees in the kayak. And those fish will swim right up to you because you can't see the kayak. Yeah, um, My kayak's a camo color, and I usually try to get up against the bank and have a grass backdrop. And, I mean, I'm basically cane-pulling this fish off the front of the boat. And uh, my favorite bait to use when I'm doing that in a kayak is one of those real realistic voodoo-looking shrimp. Yeah. They can't turn it down.
0: It's a good-looking bait for sure. Yeah, um, they can't. They can't resist it so in that shallow of water um are you are you sitting still a lot and waiting for the fish to come to you or are you trying to kind of cover water when you get back in an area
1: it, it it all depends um you know sometimes i'm sitting still because there's a lot of fish moving with the tide down a specific bank yeah had that happen before where i'm literally sitting in like i don't know six inches of water maybe And I have fish pushing down the bank constantly. And that's kind of what is in one of those videos. And I've got a little stick it pole and I just stick it and I've got a little anchor pulley set up in my kayak and you just wait. And there's just so many fish coming. You really don't have to move. And that's, that's a lot of fun when it's like that. Other times, um, if it's slack current, you kind of have to push around and find them. Uh, I try not to move too much more than I have to unless I've got like a foot and a half of water to work with because when you're trying to move around in less than a foot, you, you spook a lot of fish. Right. Very easily, yeah, they get real spooky. I mean, half the fish that I'm casting to are usually belly crawlers.
0: Mm-hmm. Up shallow chasing shrimp around.
1: Yeah, yeah. and you've really gotta put that, that voodoo shrimp right in their mouth. I mean, you gotta put it right in front of them because there's so many shrimp. Last time I had fish swim up the kayak so close, they were jumping shrimp in my kayak.
0: That's crazy. It it really is true. Like and, and the shrimp are starting to thin out a little bit, but it's in the summertime. There's so many shrimp and so much bait when they're going down that bank and keyed in. Like you have to put it right in front of their face. They don't have to travel to eat. I mean, they're the food is right in front of them.
1: And I'm not telling you anything new. I mean, you've seen that firsthand. You know, you've you've posted videos of doing that as well in that same area that we fish fish down there in the river.
0: Yeah, the cool thing about it is too is like those fish will do that in a lot of areas. You know, they'll, they'll trap themselves and they'll get themselves really shallow for the shrimp. Um, tell me a little bit about what you're looking for as far as, I'm not talking about like what's your spot, I'm just saying, what do you think attracts those fish to areas like that? What is it in that zone that, that makes that a fishy area, that makes fish wanna stay up there when it's shallow um, and that makes it an area that you can target um, from a kayak?
1: Most of the time when I found fish that do that, it is not it's not really very sandy it's usually kind of that and it's not puff mud either it's it's that mixture of that muddy sandy type bottom where it's not straight you know mud that it gets the you know the stinky the stinky yeah, black yeah,
0: mud yeah it's, like soft get, soft diarrhea right mud right
1: it's, it's it's really a combination you got some oysters mixed in there um it's usually not a hard bank up against the grass, it's usually a very gradual bank leading up to the grass off of a big flat. But then there's a deep channel nearby somewhere yeah. that the fish can retreat to. I think that's one of the keys is having a deep channel where a fish uh, funnel through with the tide.
0: Yeah. Well tell me this too because people always ask questions like this because we'll, I'll, I'll just quickly say like, oh you know a flat with a deep channel. And people are like, alright, how deep? Is, like, what am I looking for flat wise? How deep is the flat? How deep is the deep channel?
1: Well, that's kind of a loaded question, you know, because here, you know, with the tide that we have here, that varies on, you know, up to five feet sometimes, depending on where you're at. Yeah. Um, I would say the channels that I'm fishing on low tide, they're probably two to three feet deep. On a high tide, they're probably five to six feet deep.
0: Yeah, for sure. It seems like at a dead low tide, those fish don't want to be too terribly far away from, and there's definitely circumstances where this is not true. But too terribly far away from two and a half three feet of water, and, or and more. But like at least two and a half three feet of water, because when and you got to think, when a redfish is small, they they do have predators from above. You know, osprey and other birds of prey that do try to pick them up, just like they pick up mullet and Menhaden. Um, yep. And so, them being able to get a little water above their back definitely helps um, with their security, I believe, a little bit.
1: And and one thing too to look out for, you know, a lot of guys they'll think they see fish, and then ends up just being all those big rogue mullet. But those, those fish, those redfish, they'll mix in with those big mullet.
0: Yeah. Um, Especially yeah, when the tide's really low.
1: Yeah. I mean, when that tide gets really low, I've seen them swim in the same school before. Yeah. Um, I mean, they definitely mix in. But after a while, you can really learn the difference between what the what the redfish looks like when he spooks off versus what a mullet does. You know, a mullet kind of makes that swirl, and he'll, a mullet will spook from a long distance. A redfish, for the most part, you got to get right up on top of him.
0: Right. One other thing I've noticed too, and that's something I'm trying to explain to clients all the time, because you get someone that has not saltwater fished um, shallow water before, and, and they're just really thrown off by the mullet at first. Like they're like, "Was that a fish? Was that a fish?" And um, mm-hmm. the, like you said, the swirl, swirl without like a pop or a blow up noise in it, usually a mullet. And all these are rules of thumb. They're not necessarily a hundred percent all the time true. Um, And a a mullet's a lot dartier. Like, if you see a V and it's kind of back and forth and back and forth and kind of cutting around, that's usually a mullet. Um, Redfish is kind of a consistent wake. Even when they spook, they seem to swim one direction until they hit something that they can't go that direction anymore, and they swim another direction. Like, I've seen them like ping pong out of creeks before where they're just like bank, 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 but the mullet will just kind of go all over the place. I thought
1: a kayak trying to get it out of the creeks before it as well. Yeah. yeah, When it's super shallow, dude, it gets kind of crazy. But I will add, too, you know, one thing that I look out for when typically is a good sign of stingrays.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Usually when when I start seeing stingrays or when I'm spooking flounder, I'm usually in in a good area. Um, I have caught redfish off of stingrays back in the creeks when it's super shallow like that um i had a really clear day down there when the water was just gorgeous and had no wind and there were stingrays when there wasn't many shrimp left and i don't know why it was a specific day maybe the water was just a little bit deeper or something but all these little undersought redfish they were all like you know 14 15 inch fish but they were falling around smaller stingrays and when the stingray would kind of nestle himself in the mud to try to eat a shrimp or eat something and he would spook shrimp out of the mud, and the redfish would dart off to the side of the stingray and eat those shrimp. And I watched that happen a couple times in front of me. That was really, really cool to watch, but I caught a few uh, few reds like that one day as well. Never had a day like that again, but it, it was definitely fun that one time. It was very memorable.
0: Yeah, I've definitely seen them a couple times doing that, where they're kind of following those stingrays and eating the, the shrimp that, that spook off of them. Um, super cool. That's another one that can be tricky over time like the first time i started fishing coastal like tidal coastal rivers like the cape fear um, like a lot of the river systems down in charleston and around south carolina um, the stingrays hunt shallow and and tail and do all kinds of crap on the bank like a redfish does yeah.
1: um,
0: and like you the first time you ever see that you're looking down there like oh my gosh there's like 10 redfish down there tailing and like four inches of water two inches of water what is going and you're like pulling down there and it's all stingrays <laughs> Like I thought you know it was too had, shallow.
1: You and I had that happen one day a couple of years ago. We we sat there and casted it a bunch of stingrays for about five minutes before we realized what was going on. Yeah, when you
0: see them like out on a flat, like an open flat, far away, that, that's the most, that's the they toughest. Definitely, definitely yeah, definitely they'll get like, you. Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that day. I think it was cow nose rays actually. It was, they were swimming yeah. real slow with their fins out, and it was like the sun <laughs> was going down. And we're like, oh my gosh, this is a massive. Yeah. So and it was we kind were, of it was like a foot and a half or it was like two feet deep we were like these are yeah. big redfish <laughs> yeah and they were all counting those rays um that's so awesome back
1: then, just kayak fishing really uh, I, f- I tend to find more fish in my kayak
0: yeah um yeah take I've me lost, through that why do you so- think that is why do you think it's, it's so much more effective i hear that from so many people that kayak fish and from guys that have like roger jones i've had him on the podcast he's a good friend he's got a sweet brand new hues and a kayak and he talks about how he catches some more fish out of his kayak
1: i think it's because of your your perspective when you're in a skiff um everything seems smaller when you're in a skiff and when you get in the kayak everything seems bigger that one t- tiny little cove you know in that channel that you're paddling through in a skiff you just run you know wide open right by it to get to your to get to your honey hole in a kayak, you, you, you don't have the luxury of being on a plane, you know, getting to where you want to be. Yeah. So you a lot of time in a kayak, you're also kind of pre-fishing to where you want to be. You know, when I go to my spot where I really find all these reds, I'm talking about, I've got to get on the water probably an hour, hour and a half early, just to just to get there, to be there when the tide is right, which gives me a little bit of extra time to kind of fish my way there. And usually, with that extra time, I end up finding more spots and more fish that I would have easily ran by in a skiff.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, you know, the place that I fish, I've got a lot of skiffs that will run by me. And I've had skiffs run by me before when I'm on a great trout bite. You know, just fishing a deep channel, and I happen to see mullet getting chased around in the channel, which you wouldn't have seen in the skiff. Yeah,
0: definitely. I, it slows you down. It makes you more yeah. observant
1: yeah exactly and so i got the chance to see this mullet getting pushed around by this trout because i wasn't running through there at full throttle yeah if i would have been a skiff i would have never seen them
0: yeah definitely yeah it makes you really pick stuff apart too like i'll learn a lot more little nuances of a bank or a channel when i'm trout fishing um, like today just slowing down and working a bank um, i kind of if I had been red fishing with topwater plug, I kind of would have blown right through it even off of off the trolling motor, but um, sl- really slowing down. We had to kind of work for our trout bite today. Um, we had had a good bite, but it wasn't like you know banging them out every cast. and it would uh, it just slowed me down and it made me learn all right that you know there's some oysters here, there's where the fish are holding. like I kind of learned this whole new area a little bit better as opposed to if I had been wor- I guess what I'm trying to say is slowing down in general helps you helps you learn the one the downfall of a kayak is if you're in crappy water you're you're in it a little bit longer but it definitely helps to, to pick it apart for sure
1: usually when i kayak because i plan on getting muddy getting sandy and getting wet
0: uh,
1: and if i don't i probably didn't go on the right tide. um you know in your kayak too you can't exactly get out of your kayak at all times either Usually until the tide gets low enough, you know, I can't get out and stretch my legs. And once the tide does get low enough, you know, I will take a break and get out and kind of take a walk around for a minute if I've got to go to an oyster bar or something. Because, I mean, sitting in a kayak for sometimes six hours or more, you know, can definitely be getting a little uncomfortable. Yeah,
0: for sure. The, the last time I kayak fished for any extended period of time was this past winter with Elias. And it was like a comfy, cush little kayak seat. Felt great in the kayak all day. I stood up when I got to the bank I could not stand straight up I was like hunched (laughs) over and my back hurt so bad it was crazy and so being able to stand up a little bit was nice and um, let's talk a little bit about well I I still want to go into fishing some but I think this is important to talk about what you want in a kayak for that type of fishing and, and how you like to fish that kayak and how you like to have your kayak set up so that's kind of a lot of questions in one but
1: my kayak is really, it's the only kayak I've ever had. I got it when I was younger and it's just always been able to do what I need to do. Um, I intentionally got a shorter paddle. Um, one thing if you get, when you get a kayak, you have to based off of your height and the height of the kayak, you know, and kind of how your chair sits in the kayak and how, you know, now they've got all these captain's chairs, these kayaks that sit, you know, up higher and they're adjustable and they can sit lower. So, one thing that people don't realize when they the get into this is so you have to get a paddle that is designed. The length is designed so that you have efficiency while you're paddling. Um, I purposely got a shorter paddle so that I could paddle easier in shallow water. Okay. Um, pedal kayaks are great, uh, you know, for like stuff that OIS does or bass fishermen that want a bass fishing kayak. But a pedal kayak for the type of fishing that I do would not be beneficial. It might help me get there faster, but then I've got this big propeller, the, you know, the kayak, the wing things on the bottom. Yeah. I've got that in front of me all day long and takes up a lot of space in the kayak. So for me, it's just more practical to have a kayak with a paddle to do the type of fishing that I do.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: And I got a paddle that's a little bit shorter, so that way I don't have to try to dig deep in the water or you, know, you, angle, you have to angle the paddle blades because the water's only this deep. Well, if you have a shorter paddle, you can get this angle. But if you have a longer paddle, then you got to get this angle, yeah. And then only you half your paddles in the water versus a shorter paddle. You can kind of dig a little bit deeper and a little bit shallower.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Do you ever do you ever find yourself kind of pulling um, all the time, all the time, kind of pulling with your paddle, or do you do you actually have a pole for it?
1: Um, I actually have a small kayak push pole made, made for a kayak.
0: Oh, sweet! That's all, How long does that run? I say it's like ten feet. Ten feet, sweet. It's not very long. Yeah, right yeah you mean, don't need much length for the kayak, though.
1: You don't, and I don't really think a push pole is really necessary. I, I was just kind of excited to have a push pole for my kayak. Yeah. A lot of times it's more of a hassle to get the push pole out than it is just to use the paddle. But um, you kind of got to get one of those heavier-duty duty paddles if you're going to use your paddle for pushing yourself around, especially, you know, in kind of those muddy areas because you don't want to break your paddle while you're out there. And you know, then you'd be in trouble.
0: Yeah. You'd go from kayaking to canoeing back home. That's, you broke one yeah. of the one of the or one of the paddles off.
1: <laughs> yes, you. Yeah, exactly.
0: So going out of the kayak, you know, obviously, the, even if you loaded a kayak down, a lot of times you can still drag it across the sandbar. But what do you bring with you, and and kind of how do you like to have your your gear set up?
1: So someday, it just it really depends on the weather. When I'm doing the type of fishing that I do. Um, I mean I definitely, you know, sometimes I'll just go fish docks, You know, I just put in that recipe tramp, I'll fish Banks Channel, yeah. I'll fish uh, Lee's cut and I just fish the docks or flounder. Usually then I'll bring a I've got a small four foot cast net that I bring because I can stand up and I can throw from my kayak. Um I just bring one of those flow troll bait buckets. Uh which really makes it difficult to paddle with one of those, but if you're not trying to cover a whole lot of water, that's usually, you're usually okay. Um I usually bring two or three spinning rods. I just fish regular length spinning rods. Uh, A lot of guys I know, they do make short-handled spinning rods for kayak fishing. Um, I just don't really own any of those because I don't feel like it's necessary um, for what I do. But, and then when I go, you know, fish super shallow, if it's really, really nice, uh, sometimes I'll just bring a spinner on a fly rock. Yeah. um, A leader and, you know, the minimum tackle. Uh, sometimes when I go on a meat run because the tide's not right, but it's a really nice day. I won't go to obviously try to find fish in shallow water, but then I'll bring a bunch of live bait stuff as well as just your typical jig heads and stuff, and I'll bring two uh, live bait setups and I'll bring two rods for throwing jigs. Yeah, yeah. okay.
0: The old top water. So you said you like to throw the voodoo when you're shallow. Is there any other baits that you like to sight fish with from the kayak, or?
1: Yes uh top water is very fun in the kayak uh you get a lot of really close blow-ups in the kayak oh yeah
0: I bet. that's awesome
1: i have caught belly crawlers on a top water because i didn't have a voodoo rigged up <laughs> that's fun i've got a video of that i was stressing you that, so we can add it to this podcast um that's man that's really about it i mean out there just regular jig heads and stuff uh if i'm fishing like a deep channel waiting on the tide but yeah I mean, you've really there's there's redfish when they're on the shrimp they're, they're on the shrimp. I have had it where they're so keyed in on the shrimp that you can throw a paddle tail and they will not eat it. But you put a voodoo on there and they will eat it.
0: Yeah. So when they're keyed in on the small uh, grass shrimp that we see a lot of times in the summer, do you find that they'll still eat a full-size voodoo or are you mostly, you know, mostly trying to throw that smaller voodoo shrimp?
1: Yeah, I mean they'll pretty much eat the smaller one all the time. I mean I, I've never really had to switch up sizes to, to catch – you know, to get them to eat, um, doesn't really seem to be an issue at
0: all. Gotcha. I've definitely, you know, seen them get so on that shrimp and I'm with you. I haven't had the size play much of an issue in it. Um, and, and, and like you said that a lot of times redfish, I mean, like you were saying that they'll get so on the shrimp and not anything else. Sometimes redfish get like that. Other times it seems like it's 99.9% presentation. If you put it in the exact right spot, twitch it, um, they'll eat it, but but I will agree with you when they're when the shrimp are th- really thick, they can be just extremely extremely keyed in on those. Uh, yeah, I mean,
1: like I was saying earlier, you just got to put it right in front of their face, and then you just give it one or two twitches, and then they'll smash it. Yeah. But it's and I've had it, and I put it in front of their face before, and still not how to eat it, just because there's so many shrimp they didn't see
0: it. Right, right. They're just tons and tons of shrimp and i definitely see that play out a lot like you're saying at those negative low tides those big low tides where all the shrimp are out of the grass all of them are piled up in in certain areas um that that is some fun fishing and it's i mean honestly some of the videos you send me too it's fun to just sit back and watch when that's going on you know like it's fun to catch them go catch two or three and then just sit back and just watch them even maybe bring a camera and take some pictures
1: oh yeah Uh, i mean i had to stop they'll put on the show I I could have sat there and just caught, you know, probably another 10 fish that day. But instead, I just started to stop and take some video, you know, so I could share with everybody, you know, how good it was because it it takes the right conditions um, for it to get like that. You really, you really don't get many conditions like that. So, so to get those conditions and then, you know, be available to go, um, you know, it's worth taking off work when it's, when it's right.
0: Right, right. Well, if some people that are listening now. Uh, are like hey i think i've got some areas that could be productive at this time at this negative low tide Um, and and a productive area for this you guys like it doesn't have to be a big massive flat it could be a creek just think of areas that get really shallow at low tide um, that you're already catching fish in um, and try to go find those little deeper areas that still hold enough water um, at low tide but for those people that might have a spot that they want to go check out or want to go look for um, what are the conditions that they should be looking for? What are the weather conditions and, and kind of the water conditions?
1: Uh, you know, a lot of people say like top water is better on overcast days and whatnot. For for redfish, I don't really think that the cloud conditions really matter. Um, I've never found that to make to be a factor. Uh, the only thing I, I can say about the cloudy conditions is when it's really overcast. Um, depending on if the clouds are really dark or not, I will throw a darker or a lighter bait if I really want to throw top water. Um, but you're probably not sight fishing much, you know, when you have bad overcast anyways. Right. Uh, the north wind is extremely helpful. Uh, a light north wind really gets the fish fired up. Uh, I don't know why it does. I don't know if it's just maybe it's a cooler air, but um, in the, you know, in the early fall, we get into north wind, like for the past few days, you know, it's blowing north pretty hard. Um, but really that's, that's the best time, is just that light north wind on a falling tide
0: Light being like ten to fifteen, or light being like two to five.
1: Um, two to ten.
0: Two to ten, sweet.
1: Yeah, two to ten. A little yeah.
0: texture, a little bit of texture, but nothing that's that's okay. doing any other any damage. And,
1: and you can definitely, yeah. I mean, I've still definitely caught them when the winds blowing more than ten, though.
0: Right. You know, it's,
1: it, but it just makes it more difficult, you know, from from a fishing perspective to catch those fish. The fish don't really care how hard the winds blowing unless it's blowing like thirty miles an hour. Um, it just makes it really hard to see those fish pushing and belly crawling, you know, when you've got dirty water and you, cause the wind's blowing really hard and you've got, uh, you know, a bunch of chop breaking, breaking in that shallow water up on the bank. Yeah. Um, especially when you're fishing that shallow too, it really doesn't ever get too choppy unless you've got like a bigger deep flat in front of you. Um, because you're fishing so shallow, usually I've got a sandbar on either side of me, which really kind of helps the water from getting too choppy.
0: Yeah, definitely um i think i know what you would say here but what would be if you could say like one tool or accessory that might be the most beneficial to have when trying to shallow water uh redfish and trout fish from a kayak
1: um definitely a light rod that you can cast a lot with i fish a uh, medium white finwick hmg with a 2500 shimano uh stratic
0: oh sweet i like it
1: yeah Um, super i mean my route is super light and yeah if you hook an overslot slot redfish you're gonna go for a sleigh ride he's going to pull you around <laughs> it's gonna be off a lot of drag and sometimes you know those bigger fish i'll fight them for you know five to seven minutes yeah um but for the most part you know your slot size redfish the 2500 is plenty
0: yeah definitely um do you feel like a stick it pin is is super important in that shallow water fishing
1: extremely important yeah being able a-
0: to kind of hold yourself back from the action and and not bump them <laughs> out of there
1: You've got to because a lot of times when you hook those fish, they'll get back to the school, and a and in a kayak, that fish will pull you to that school, yeah. and you'll bump that entire school. Otherwise, so yeah, it's absolutely essential to have a stick.
0: That was my that was my th- thought process when I was mm. asking that question. I was like, I bet you'd say stick-up pin, but the rod is even more important. I don't care how many <laughs> stick pins you got if you don't have a fishing rod with you, you're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna do crap. So,
1: but I mean, one of my one thing too, going back to like the kayak basics is. Yeah, having the right kayak. Um, I, I, when I was younger, I got lucky and chose just happened to kind of choose the right kayak before I really knew exactly what I needed. Um, I've got an old Ride One Thirty Five. They don't make it anymore. Yeah. Uh, but it's almost got a tri hole design on the bottom, and it's very heavy. I mean, it's probably a hundred pounds, maybe even a little more. Uh, it's almost fourteen feet long um it's pretty big for a kayak but i can still drag it across sandbars and it's not a lot of fun to load up in the truck for sure but it's very stable um i'm not you know a small guy by any means and i can stand up and fish in that perfectly comfortable without really having to uh, worry about falling over and also you want to sit on top of kayak
0: something um, a little more elevation
1: that and it does give you more elevation but also for me it's just a peace of mind that if I flip my kayak's not gonna sink and fill up with water.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So like a fully encased kayak, not not one that not like a canoe kind of deal. Right, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. 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 Well uh we're we're at about thirty five minutes. Is there anything you can think about? Or think of that that would be you know some good leaving advice for people that want to want to try i mean more and more people are getting into the site fishing the shallow water fishing um and a kayak is just a good entry level and senior level craft for for the job um but is there yeah. any any kind of leaving any words of wisdom you'd want to leave people with
1: yeah just keep it basic yeah uh, there's really no reason to um you know, get real complicated with it. it uh, I mean, there's, you know, it's a, it's a kayak and you're fishing shallow. You don't need, you know, three days worth of tackle. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I bring two tackle boxes. Usually one's got topwaters, mirror lures for trout. And, um, and my other's got kind of like voodoo shrimp and some soft plastics in it and some jig heads. Yeah. Um, I bring usually bring t- two spools a liter. I bring one for trout, you know, t- 12 pound for trout and i bring 15 or 20 uh just regular mono leader you know for throwing top water and stuff for redfish
0: yeah just keeping it simple so huge even in a skiff i always tell people that all the time and um i'm getting better and better at it a lot of times i end up at the tackle shop two times a week with some bags jammed in the corner and i I, (laughs) honestly every other day i should clean my skiff out if i wanted it to stay how i want it to stay but um Simplicity is nice. I mean you don't want to be caught without what you need, but but you if you fish, if you go out enough, you really realize all right, this is all I really, really need, you know. Um uh, and, and it makes the, it
1: more fun uh, to
0: just be simple and stripped down.
1: It is, it is. And a lot of times I'll find that, you know, I've got one go to topwater. Um it is the it's a hidden spook, it's just a regular size spook with a rattle. It's the one that's black on top, it looks like a mullet, it's got that yep. bright blue. Line down the side is white on the bottom. Um, that is my go-to. I've never really been in a situation for fishing topwater where I've had fish not hit that when they would hit another topwater. Yeah. Um, unless it was trout and they were being very very picky. Um, and then I'll fish usually fish the voodoo and uh, and a lot of times I'll fish all day with those two baits and I'll never switch. Yeah. That's how you can keep it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's sweet. Well, thank you for coming on, and we'll we'll definitely have to do some more podcasts together. Dan and I used to get the pleasure of fishing together a bunch um, in college and 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 whatnot, but um, now we just talk about fishing and usually just drink beer together and hang out. But <laughs> um, every, about two or three times a year, we'll slip out some afternoon and have have a banger and, and catch some fish. But uh, yeah, we haven't had that happen this year yet. We're waiting for we're waiting for trout to really get here thick.
1: but we do get a fish together, it's usually always epic.
0: Yeah, that's true. We we have good luck. Like I was talking to Jeff Kidd the other day, and I was like, every time you and I go do something together now, it's like kind of last minute and a little half ass, and we get out there and just nothing happens. It's <laughs> like we try we like try something and like ah oh, that's not, that wasn't a good idea. That was way too impulsive. Let's just go do this, and then we just never really even do anything except waste half of our day. I mean, um, you
1: and I definitely had our um, you know a handful. Experimental fishing trips where you know, let's see what would happen. usually <laughs> right. just hold and hungry,
0: exactly, exactly. Um, well, sweet. Well, uh, everybody, you know, it's fall, it's October, the trout fishing is starting to pick up. I know everyone's getting a little worried here in North Carolina, they're like, Where are the trout? Where are the trout? But I will share with y'all that October 23rd was the first day last year that I caught them really good, which is tomorrow, which is hopefully this podcast will be up by then. Um, but stick with it. There's fish around. There's already big fish being caught. Um, there's, there's We're going to have a good trout year. So um, stick with it. Keep plugging away. Make sure you go buy some of this red DOA shrimp from Intercoastal Angler. They are the, they're the heat when it comes to trout fishing. I'd say 99.9% of the trout I've already caught this year have been on that bait. Um, but, yeah, thanks for checking out this podcast. Like I said, please go um, give us a, a five-star review on iTunes. It, it helps out so, so much. Um, Go subscribe to our YouTube channel, smash the thumbs up button on any of those YouTube videos, and we will see you in the next episode. Later.